Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. And today on the podcast, we are doing a Dear Katie episode. I do one of these every once in a while when I'm feeling up to it because honestly, it takes a lot out of me as an empathetic person. I've talked about this before. I have this extreme empathy, which is a good thing and a horrible thing at the same time. If you are an empathetic person as well, you know how it feels to, you know, when you read a predicament or a confusion of someone else's, you kind of carry it with you for a while. So I don't do a ton of these just because I, you know, I'm going through a lot of my own stuff, just moving, dealing with getting used to being in the city again, just all this stuff. But now I'm feeling kind of comfortable where I am to read through some of your confusions and questions and, you know, answer them to the best of my ability. So today we're doing a Dear Katie episode and I have a ton of questions that were sent in via DM. I'm going to answer a handful of them today in a thoughtful way. I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to dive into the the therapist-y things because, you know, if you need a therapist, get one. It's really the best thing I've ever done. Um, I'm not going to give you professional advice because I'm not in a pro- because I'm not a professional. I'm just going to tell you guys what I think. If I were in these given situations, what I would do is it the right thing? Maybe I'm not sure, but it's it's just what I would do. So that's what we're going to do today. I don't know. I'm just going to uh, read the questions and answer them as I would. So yeah, that is what we're going to do on the podcast today. I do want to just kind of chat about my morning a little bit. It is now the afternoon on a Tuesday, and I do this thing when I'm not meeting with my trainer. I like to go on a 45-minute to an hour walk around the city. I just walk aimlessly. I don't know where I'm going, but not only does it get my blood pumping, get me exercising and out there, but it also helps me get a hang on the city because I definitely like know where I am in the city for the most part. But when I venture out of my general like area of where I've lived the past few years, I don't exactly know where I am. And I would like to change that. I want to eventually be one of those New Yorkers that could just, you know, look out and know where I am in relation to everything, know how far it is to get home, like just know based on knowing the city. So Basically, killing two birds with one stone, went on an aimless walk this morning, was listening to a crime podcast, because that's what I do. I love my crime junkie. You guys know this about me. Was listening to one of their most recent episodes and was just walking around. And about 45 minutes later, I find myself in Washington Square Park because that's just like kind of my, I don't want to call like a North Star area, but like where you just end up. Like it used to be Target for me. When I was in college, I would just randomly find myself at Target. Yes, the store. Okay. That was like my mindless, like where I end up when I'm really not thinking and I'm just driving. I'm like thinking through a problematic situation I'm going through or something. And I was like dealing with all the college stuff, you know, like the college drama that 
I laugh about now, but was so hurtful and hard hitting in the moment. And I would just find myself in the Target parking lot. And then I would go inside and buy all these things I didn't need. But now in my adult life, I often just find myself in Washington Square Park, which is a much, (laughs) it's saving me a lot of money, that being my new mindless location. But Ended up there today, was just sitting there, kind of catching my breath because I was speed walking. Like if you see a girl absolutely booking it, but not running, like basically running, but not running through the city with her headphones in, it's me. It's me. And it's just, that's just how I like to burn my calories. Okay. So sat down in Washington Square Park, was catching my breath and just looking around, people watching as I do. I really love New York City people watching, you really can't beat it. It's just incredible. I love imagining people's lives, like finding someone, kind of honing in on them and imagining what their life would be, their their life is like or would be like if I was to write them as a character in a story or something. And I don't know if that's just me, but I, I really enjoy doing it. I let myself do that for like 15 minutes and then I'm like, okay, back to work. I got things to do. I can't just be sitting here all day. But if I was an author, which hopefully I will be before 40, I will be sitting there quite a lot. Anyway, so I saw this group of kids. This might sound creepy, but I promise it's not creepy. I really enjoy, (laughs) this really sounds creepy. I'm not like like that, but I like looking at kids because of course, like I do want kids someday. So I imagine, like I dream about what my kids will be like, but I also just like looking at kids and seeing their behavior and wondering how they'll be as adults. And I promise it's not creepy. I'm just, you know, really looking into it because I wonder like if I saw myself as a kid, do I have similar tendencies now to when I was a kid? Like do, are my mannerisms the same? Do I act the same? Do I speak the same? Like just are there similarities? Like how, how different have I become? And I saw this group of kids and usually in the city when you see a group of kids that clearly are in some sort of daycare or like a preschool class they are either on leashes, which is oh, it always cracks me up. It's very funny to see because they're on this like long, like the teacher in the front and everyone's holding on. Well, it's not like a leash, but they're like holding on to a little handle and they each have their own handle and they're like walking through the park, hobbling through the park in matching t-shirts. They're always wearing matching t-shirts that go down to like their knees. So it looks like they're wearing little baby dresses. It's very cute. But today I saw a group of kids and it was more of like a hand-holding situation. So it was like the, the teacher in the front, a teacher in the back, two kids, like two by two basically. But what I noticed about the two by two situation was there's probably an even split of boys and girls in the class. And of course they're kids, so we don't know how they identify or how they will identify and things like that. But from what I was looking at, I was looking at boys and girls holding hands basically. And it was the two by two, but it was a boy matched with a girl holding hands and they're just having the time of their lives, hobbling around, so blissfully happy, holding hands, boy, girl, totally platonic because they're like three years old or however old you can be when you can like walk, but it's only been a few years that you've been able to walk, you know, like sort of that age. And I just, I don't know why it just struck me as, I don't know, it was just really refreshing to see, I guess, because... I just from my youth and understanding how I was brought up in in classes, it was like the girls were expected to be with the girls and the boys with the boys and they were supposed to grow in their own kind of way. But by doing this, it kind of just shows that, you know, they were all equal in that and they can all grow in their own way and be who they want to be. And it was just kind of cool to see that. And it also (laughs) reminded me of the fact that when we're young, there aren't these like weird boundaries of like, oh, girls and boys and the romantic stuff and the the tension and all those things because we all feel kind of equal to some extent. And then things eventually, I mean, at least in my experience as well, change. And there starts to be this different sort of vibe between girls and boys and what is expected from girls and what is expected from boys. And I love that now in more recent years, we've definitely been really challenging those things and challenging the norms. But I feel like there's still a long way to go. And just even further into the romantic realm, it's like, when does this all stop? Like, when do we as little girls holding the hand of a little boy, like when does it eventually change to a point where like, oh my God, cooties. Like, oh my God, I'm looking at him as maybe more than just a boy I held hands with when I was four. Like, 
it's just so interesting how things change and we grow up and everything is different. And I don't know. I was just like staring at this group of kids this morning. Like picture me just sipping my coffee, just like, oh my gosh, I probably looked creepy. But I was just really thinking about the the deeper thing here, the deeper evolutionary thing that happens with human beings and how things change and how confusing that is. Like I kind of remember the early days of having a crush. Like there was a time actually that I don't think I mentioned this on online. So I went to this, an elementary school. It was like a church elementary school. It was in a church. So you know how sometimes churches have elementary schools like within them? So it was a Lutheran church in Maryland and it was only for a few years. It was like super, like, I don't think it was Catholic. It was like a Lutheran elementary school. Yeah. But it was still pretty rigid. Like we did the prayer every morning. We went to church on Wednesdays and like, it was like very much a church led elementary school. Okay. Very Christian. And I remember my mom telling me years later that when I was there, I was only there until the second grade. So it was like preschool through second grade that I was there because I eventually transferred to another school that was public and not religiously affiliated or anything. And at one point during being there, probably in like kindergarten or first grade, I got in trouble with the school because, or with my class, I guess, because I kissed a boy. I don't know like the details, obviously, because I was young and I don't remember any of that, but either kindergarten, first grade, one of those like earlier years, I kissed a boy and I had to go to the principal. My mom had to come and we had to have a meeting with the boy and with the other, with the boy's parents. And it was a whole thing. And I guess, you know, whatever age that was, that was when things shifted for me when I was like, okay, I like boys. Now things are complicated. And yeah, I just, it's just so interesting how things change. And it's natural that we would have confusion surrounding how to deal with our emotions because when we're young, like this doesn't exist. So it's, it's all very new and fresh and it hits you like a pound of bricks when things change. And so we have many confusions surrounding that. And I've experienced it definitely for a lot long. I've just been confused for a while, I feel like. And I've only more recently started to really figure it out. And I feel like for a while, people pretend to figure it out and figure out how to deal with their emotions and process them and how to make tough decisions and how to know when something is right. And it can be romantically, it can be in work and in life. I feel like a lot of times also, we don't have an easy go of rationalizing our feelings when it comes to our job or our friends and all of those things. And so anyway, amazing segue into today's Dear Katie episode because I'm answering questions pertaining to all of the things I just mentioned. A lot of just your confusions, we're going to chat through them in the best way I know how. Throwing out inspirational quotes, sex in the city quotes, um, Taylor Swift lyrics, all of the above. So get ready. Let's dive into it. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Okay. First question. Dear Katie, what is your opinion on a guy ending things with you and coming back by breadcrumbing a couple months later? 
I know I deserve better, so how do I not go back to him? Sincerely, breadcrumbing. Okay, dear breadcrumbing, here I go. (laughs) First question, already quoting Taylor Swift, but there is one lyric, a lyric that I feel no one really zeroes in on and considers enough. It's really, it's short, but it's very impactful. It's from my favorite song, All Too Well, and this is what it says. It says, quote, and I forget about you long enough to forget why I needed to. I almost feel like singing it, but I feel sometimes we get involved with people that we know aren't right for us. And this could be in a number of different ways. They could not be right for us because of their political views or their goals for the near future or the future future or just the way that they are. Like there are certain things that just don't click And it just doesn't, it's like a puzzle piece that just doesn't fit. And you know they're not right for you. And they might be a great person, but just not right for us. And it's always a huge blow to the ego, to the everything when someone's like, you're just not right for me. We can't do this because I don't see a future with you, et cetera. And it always sucks to hear that. But to kind of play devil's advocate or go on to the other side of things, you know, I feel like this guy who's breadcrumbing, as you say, might be doing that thing where he was the one that ended it, but kind of is momentarily forgetting why they ended it, forgetting why they needed to forget about you, you know, either because of his own personal stuff or he just, he he doesn't feel like you guys are compatible, but he still likes you as a person, still thinks you're great and is getting confused about why he ended it. Or, I mean, hey, there's always the possibility that he just didn't want the commitment of having a label or something serious, but still wants to, like, have his cake and eat it too, but, like, have his personal, like, manly, I get to hook up with someone, but not have to have the label of it, like, the best possible scenario for some guys. There's a lot of different options here with why he's doing it, but it doesn't really matter because you already told me how you feel about it. You know you deserve better and you don't want him back because you know how he made you feel. You know how things are going to go. Like it's not going to be something serious. And if that is what you want, then I don't think that you should feed into the breadcrumbing. I think if he Snapchats you, you don't answer. I think if he reaches out to you in any way, you just leave him on red. Don't answer, don't answer, don't answer. Delete his number if you need to. Block him if you need to. Do what you need to do because he made it clear that he doesn't want something serious and if he eventually maybe changes his mind, which happens, he's got to really prove it to you that he is in it for the long haul and is serious about you. He's kind of treating you like this smoking habit that he can't kick, but it's unfair to you. So yeah, doesn't really matter why he's doing it. I know it's normal to want to know why and want to understand why, but I would just treasure yourself, treasure your own needs, and cut him out. Okay, next up. Dear Katie, I'm just going through it. I haven't been too happy with my advertising agency job. I'm in an entry-level account services role, and I think I want to get more on the brand side or literally just out of a normal 9-to-5, but not sure about what I want to do. I've started to network, update my resume, and look at job openings, But then I was out with some friends, went to hang out on the roof deck, and stepped wrong. Long story short, I have one plate and nine pins in my ankle, and I'm unable to walk for about two months. I've had such support through the whole thing, and I'm glad to have a job within the pandemic, and I'm able to continue to work from home, but I feel stuck literally and figuratively. I just want to look for other jobs, but I have insurance with this job that needs to pay for all my medical bills that I have and will keep having to have for a few more months. I guess I just want to see if you have ideas for how to stay positive and motivated, even though I'm living on the couch in my childhood home and can't really do anything physically. I miss my daily walks. Okay, so I have some ideas for you. I have some words of wisdom. First of all, though, I do feel horribly. So dear going through it, it is okay to feel grateful and unhappy at the same time, okay? I just want to say it again for other people that might be going through it, might be going through just something, but still are combating the feelings of feeling unhappy and miserable maybe, but also grateful that they even have a job. Because of course, we are living in a pandemic where people did get laid off in mass quantities and some people were not as lucky to have, you know, 
the benefits to look out for them and pay for their medical bills and stuff like that. So of course you're you're having these conflicting feelings of feeling grateful for what you have, but also miserable and why me feeling all these things, not happy in your job, like a lot, a lot, a lot of things. So first of all, commend yourself for even being able to balance and articulate these feelings because it's a lot. It's like you, dear going through it, you are going through a lot and I, I feel for you. Don't feel bad about feeling unhappy in your job. Don't feel bad for also feeling grateful for the fact that you even have a job. And I guess more into the job realm, kind of tackling that subject first. I personally view every job that I've had as a jumping off point, as a springboard into something else. I never got in any of my jobs, maybe now because I guess I'm in one of these jobs where it's just going to slowly mesh and change over time into other things, but it's not necessarily in a whole different realm from what I want to do because it truly I think is my dream job what I'm doing now. So every other job that I've had, I really have not gotten or I never got too comfortable in those jobs. And I'm truly grateful that I never did because once you get too comfortable, that is where the growth comes to a screeching halt. That is where you kind of, you're just kind of drifting in in midair almost, kind of just going with the motions and being okay with everything that's happening and not accepting that maybe something else is out there, maybe something better, different, etc. So, just I remember, you know, back in my L'Oreal job, I don't really feel like anyone that I was really working with because everyone was super driven and always considering other things. And I don't think that means that you are not accepting that things can be good. Like I don't think there's a difference, I think, in in the work world versus your real other life that you have, like your your personal life. Because I feel like there's a, a misconception that if you are uncomfortable, if you are you know, constantly thinking of the next thing that you aren't being present. And I think that in the work world, it's definitely a delicate balance, obviously. But I think that if you are too comfortable in your role and you're not thinking about potentially advancing or maybe going back to school to get a degree or taking on a new skill or taking a workshop or something, like I feel like you aren't growing if you're not considering any of those things. So that is my personal two cents. People can disagree with me. But I think that what this girl should do, what going through it should do, latch on to the pieces of that job that you're in that you do like. Because obviously I think it is smart to stay there for the benefits, to get you through your PT and everything you need to do for your injury. It's smart and it's also extremely lucky that you are still with them considering everything. So I would stay where you are for now. I would pay attention to the parts of the job that you're in that you do like. Pay attention to those little things, the skills that you're developing, the things that you do see yourself bringing with you to the next job you'll have. If you want to go on to the brand side from, you know, where you are now, maybe just latching on to either either like the deck building skills or the creative planning skills or I don't know, something like that. Latch on to those things and get very good at those things. Try to just fine tune your skills and talk to other people that are maybe more in the realm of what you want to do as much as possible. And obviously also take time for yourself to heal physically and mentally and just take time and don't feel guilty about taking time for yourself to heal. But I do kind of also think because I when I was healing from Lyme disease and I was on bed rest for like ever, I found that the one thing that did kind of help me heal faster was spending some of my energy on dreaming about what's next, thinking about what I want to do, making a list, journaling, just considering what is out there because I found that your physical healing kind of comes faster if you're not totally dwelling and getting swallowed up by negative thoughts. Positive thoughts can actually help you in the direction towards healing. I really do think that they help. So, okay, those are a few points. Also, I just have to say, many, many people are unhappy in their jobs. Many, many people. But not many people have the courage to consider looking elsewhere and accept that they're not finished. Some people just stay miserable forever. And you know why? Because it takes a lot of courage and honestly, a lot of effort. And sometimes when people are really just spent out, they are like out of energy, just feeling hopeless. I I know I've been there too. Like I know how it feels to be like that. And you feel like you don't even have energy to carry on and cook dinner for yourself, let alone 
quit your job and go through all of that. Like it's definitely a process. It's, it's like moving into a house that's gutted and doesn't have anything done. And you're like, you know, doing a fixer upper situation versus just moving into something that's already made and set out for you. It's like, it's work. It takes work, but it feels so sweet when you finally end up where you know you're supposed to be and just into another jumping off point that is just so exciting. And I, I have to say, you know, I could still be at my job in the corporate world. I could, and and maybe I'd be fine, but I feel so happy now. I just don't know how I could have not had this opportunity if I hadn't had just a little extra courage that day. Like it, there's this quote from that movie, We Bought a Zoo. It's like, it only takes 20 seconds of insane courage and I promise something good will come of it. It really did take me 20 seconds of insane courage to be like, throw in a a meeting on my boss's calendar saying, let's talk. And so, you know, things happen. Um, Alice Walker actually said once, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. You might not be able to control everything, okay? Like, granted, this situation that happened to you was unfortunate, and maybe you're not happy in your job, and maybe you didn't know you weren't going to be happy in your job when you took it. But you, you can't control everything, but you can make choices for yourself. You have the power to make these choices. And oftentimes, like, the, the best choices you'll make will not be made for you in any way, shape, or form. You have to just do it. You have to take hold of it and do it. Get in the driver's seat of your life. So take time to heal, number one. But also while you're healing, number two, also give yourself the permission to dream. Three, fine-tune your skills while you are in this position of going through PT and healing yourself and sticking in this job for the benefits and also just for the experience, I think you should pay attention to those things that you really enjoy and talk to the people that are doing the things that you enjoy. Those are my 10 cents on the matter. Dear Katie, I'm about to finish my postgrad degree in teaching, six weeks to go and have my own class in August, but I'm still having imposter syndrome and don't know if I'm good enough to educate and be in such an important job. I also write and do a few creative projects on the side and I'm worried about picking the safe route of teaching because who knows what the future holds. I think I'm throwing away that dream even though I haven't stopped doing it and I've been trying to publish my poetry book for a year and it's going nowhere. Financial security is important to me and I'm extremely passionate about teaching, but I'm scared of letting the children down. I would love your words of wisdom. Okay. Dear safe route. To me, it really does not sound like you're choosing the safe route at all. It sounds like with this predicament you're having, with this wondering if teaching is right, and wondering if the poetry book is something or the creative writing, the creative projects. I think it sounds like you have some doubt, you have some worry, but you would not have stuck it out in this degree and in this path of teaching if you didn't have some passion for it. You literally said you do. And the, the fact that you're worrying about letting the kids down means that you you want to be good, you want to do it. I think that When something is kind of approaching and it's been approaching for a while and it's about to be here, like when you're in college, you're like, oh yeah, the the work world is there. It's kind of like floating in the future, but it's not here yet. So I don't have to deal with that until I have to deal with it basically. Once it gets close, it's natural for you to want to run. It's why a lot of times before a wedding, the bride or groom will get cold feet because you've been preparing for this moment for so long and it's finally here and you're like, oh God, now what do I do? Even though you know what to do, you wouldn't be getting your own classroom if you weren't capable, if you hadn't passed a certain test or things. I'm pretty sure you have to do that to be a teacher. So you are capable. I feel like also this path is about to be full of growth for you, growth that you need before potentially choosing a different path like the poetry. And I think that this will honestly give you a lot of inspiration for what you want to do with the poetry and the creative writing. I think there's a misconception that when you choose a path, you can't do other things as well. Like a lot of people have side hustles, which I do think sometimes can be a little bit draining and problematic, but a lot of times it just opens the door to something that could happen in the future. So I think don't stop writing, don't stop considering the poetry book and all of those things, but also just know that this fear that is speaking is probably coming from a place of just not knowing how to handle the the upcoming chapter that you're entering. I think we also forget sometimes that we're so young. If you're about to graduate, that means you're about, I would assume like 22 or so, maybe give or take. And that means 
you literally have like 10, a whole decade until 32. And even then, there are so many 32-year-olds out there that feel like they're just getting started. And that's fine. I think age is but a number in this situation. And don't let fear rush your story. Like I said earlier, also, being uncomfortable brings forth immense growth, challenging yourself to do hard things. These paths that you choose that are, that are challenging will inspire you, will give you more things to write about. Okay, so those are my two cents on that. Safe route. Okay, next question. Dear Katie, living alone has been a huge adjustment for me. I know so many people say that it's one of the best experiences to do for yourself in your 20s, but I haven't felt that quite yet as I feel homesick. Would love any of your advice. Okay, dear homesick, here's my advice for you. As someone who does live alone, who has lived alone numerous times before as well, I think... I, I do feel this very hard. You know, my first few months on my own post-grad, this was back in 2018, I was the first of my friends to move to the city by myself. So it was definitely, I, I'm not going to lie and say it was like smooth sailing the whole time. It was definitely a huge adjustment. Having to do all of these things alone that I never had to do alone before, walking home, doing my recycling, doing my laundry, dealing with mice crawling around my apartment, the whole shebang. I had to do all of this alone. And I, it definitely was hard at first. It was hard to adjust, but I also felt a lot of freedom in it. I, I felt a lot of independence, which I really craved independence for a while. I craved that sort of freedom. Of course, it comes with a bit of doubt. I think everything worth doing and everything important that I've done in life has come with doubt. But my biggest piece of advice, work on making your house or your apartment a home, okay? A place that you feel inspired and comfortable just zhuzh it up a little bit, make it pretty, honestly. Like that is what really changed the game for me when I started just putting time and energy into designing my home and decorating and making it feel like somewhere I was really excited to go home to. Like it wasn't, like it was a little sterile at first, like a little bit, we had like that really fluorescent lighting and like it just didn't feel very homey when I first moved in. So I changed that and instantly felt so much more at home, so much more comfortable there. And be sure to also keep things around that remind you of those people that you love, of your family, of your friends. Like put little pictures places and remind yourself of how loved you are. Because when you're alone, sometimes you forget how loved you are and you think that people are going to forget about you, which isn't true. And so also make plans. That was a huge thing for me. Make sure you have plans throughout the week to look forward to, ways that you're going to interact with other people. Because sometimes when you live alone, interactions are few and far between. And I find that, of course, I'm definitely sometimes introverted in a way where I need to recharge from social stuff. But it's key to just making me feel comfortable being by myself because being with other people, I mean, this sounds silly, but like being around a lot of, a lot of other people during the week makes me realize how much I love my alone time. So it makes you realize how much you love living alone as well. So anyway, schedule time to see your family and friends, remind you of how loved you are, but also remind you of how much you like being alone sometimes. And yeah, people say it's a great experience living alone in your 20s because it's not easy. It matures you so quickly you learn so much in a short span of time about yourself, about what it means to be in the city that you choose or the, the place you choose. So yeah, I think that you'll be fine. Don't expect it to be an overnight thing. Don't expect it to be like the movies. It definitely takes a lot of guts, a lot of fear sometimes, but you get through it and you look back and you are so much stronger than you used to be. So those are my two cents on that. Okay, next question. Dear Katie, I'm preparing to break up with my boyfriend. It's extremely difficult because we live together. He thinks we're renewing our lease at the end of June, but I'm actually inquiring about apartments for myself. I want to tell him soon, but I'm just so unsure of how he'll respond. He's totally not expecting it. We still have our lease for a bit, so I'm not sure if we should try living together till it ends or what. A lot of the logistics ride on how he reacts, which is stressing me out. He's my first everything, which adds another layer. I still very much want him in my life in some capacity if he wants, as we have a very good friend group, and I still have a lot of love for him, just not romantic love anymore. I realized that I haven't been fully listening to myself for a while about how this relationship just isn't meant to be. This is a little all over the place, but if you have any advice on any part of it, I'd love to hear it. Okay, 
Dear Bye Bye Baby. (laughs) I had to throw in a Taylor Swift song title there, obviously. Okay, so there is a strong chance that he will not take it well. And it sounds like you already kind of maybe know this, that there is a chance that he might not take it well. He might take it fine. He might also be realizing the same thing deep down, that he has love for you, but not romantic love. You know, that you really can't control the reaction of his. You can't control how he will react. But I have to say, that aside, I do feel personally very proud of you for finally listening to yourself. Because obviously it's a lot easier to just remain and not rock the boat, not change things. And, you know, if you are happy with your friend group and it can just cause a lot of stuff, okay, a lot of fallout. But personally speaking, and just my two cents on this, if you have a suspicion that things just aren't right and they're not going to be right, like fully right romantically, they they probably aren't and they probably won't. Trust your heart in that way, okay? And I just feel every moment that you're keeping this guy as your boyfriend, living with him, keeping him in your life, you're essentially holding him back from meeting someone else, holding yourself back from meeting someone else. You are both kind of like just stuck in the mud, you know, not progressing anywhere if even if he feels that you guys are in love, but you don't feel the same way, it's just destined to not go anywhere. So you're kind of both just stuck there in the mud, okay? So you finally letting go and being honest will set the both of you free. And I can't say whether he's going to take it well or not. I can't say if he's going to want to live with you anymore or not, but I think the sooner you do it, the better because this is the sooner that both of you guys can be set into the direction that you're supposed to go, okay? That is my opinion on this. So maybe think of some alternate options of like where you can stay for a bit because you are the one breaking up with him. Maybe consider staying with a friend for a little while or maybe consider reaching out to your landlord to see if they will cut the lease short. Don't do it yet until you tell the guy, okay? Because if he figures it out, oh my God, biggest nightmare ever. But I just think it's this is good, okay? This is good. Remember that this is good. You're finally letting go. You're finally being honest with yourself, with him. It will set you guys both free. You can do hard things, okay? Break up with him. It won't be easy, but you will both look back and be grateful that you had done it now, you know, sooner than later. And who knows? Maybe one day you'll come back to each other as friends. It's going to suck for a little while, but who knows? Someday you might be friends, okay? But I wouldn't bank on it right now. Next question. Okay. Dear Katie, I'm having a really hard time forgiving myself for really cringy, annoying, stupid things I've done in the past. I get like this every now and then, but lately the forgive yourself and let go spiel hasn't been working on me. My thoughts towards my past self are really hindering my ability to like my present, let alone future self. Do you have any thoughts, advice, or pep talks in that arena? Dear cringy things, (laughs) I have a story for you. In 2010, a woman in England who played the lottery every single week picked the correct numbers to win the Euro Millions. She picked the correct numbers, guys, to win $181 million. But her husband threw the ticket away. She knew she had picked the right numbers because she always writes them down on a separate sheet of paper each week before she turns them in, turns in the ticket to her husband who takes it in, but he threw it away. A $181 million mistake. So that's just one little story that I've heard before, but, you know, I'm actually personally wondering if this mistake ended in divorce. Did she stop playing the lottery? I have a lot of questions, but in the words of Hannah Montana, guys, everybody makes mistakes, but even knowing this, it doesn't make them any less cringy. I totally feel that firsthand. So here is what I do personally when I just, I have this like PTSD, like feeling of like, oh my gosh, I went through this really stressful, really cringy moment. And it just comes back to me all at once when I'm not expecting it. And I'm like, why, why, why? I just like try to push the thought out of my brain. I try to get it out of there. Like a lot of just really traumatic or just really annoying, embarrassing things. Like it's just all sorts of things. They just come at you when you are having a good day otherwise. And it just hits you like a pound of bricks. So I do a few different things. I keep a few things in mind. And it's honestly helped me. So number one, figure out your triggers. What triggers you? What certain things trigger 
reminders of these past regrets, of these cringy things, dumb hookups, moments where you felt really sad, just like any sort of trigger, what are those triggers? Pay attention to those things. For example, with me, there's been moments in the past where it's just been really traumatic things or very sad things or very embarrassing things. And I've I've done this thing where I started muting people on Instagram that when I see their their photo pop up in my feed or I see their story pop up, like it it brings me back to a time where I don't feel proud of myself at all. So, you know, sometimes unfollowing people can dig you into a world of trouble and <laughs> just like, why did you unfollow me? That whole thing. To avoid that altogether, just mute them on Instagram. It's the most amazing feature that Instagram has introduced. I love the mute button. I do it all the time. So I've deleted photos that have triggered me, videos. I've gotten rid of outfits like clothes that when I see them in my closet, I'm brought back to an embarrassing, cringy time. I just... Honestly, of course, you want to forgive yourself, and that's always the first step, but sometimes it's not that simple, okay? It's not that simple. Like the girl said in her question, it's not that simple. So get rid of the triggers or know what triggers you and try to find ways to not experience those things, and then ultimately you won't feel them as much. Um, And then number two, do things that make you proud in the present. Sounds simple, but there are things that maybe are just so polar opposite and different from the things that you're embarrassed about and the things that you cringe away from because you're like, oh my God, I can't imagine. I can't like get over the fact that I did that thing or that I felt this way in this grade or whatever or did this stupid thing with this boy or something. Like I try to do as many things in the present to make myself proud of the person that I have grown into, of the person that I've changed into being through going through the embarrassing stuff. Honestly, it can be something kind of just stupid and easy like romantically if I have some past regrets of hooking up with certain people which I certainly do I in the present just I don't know don't hook up with people uh the first opportunity I get when I go out with someone on a date I don't sleep with them that night because I found that in the past it's made me feel not so great doing that so I've learned from those mistakes and it's even just like one little thing it's like okay just not sleeping with the person or being a bit more discreet with my feelings or something like that. It's surprising how when you do something like that, that honors you and it's different for every person, I will say, but that's just a personal thing. It's just the feeling of being proud of yourself, walking home from a date and feeling proud of yourself because you held back from something that has burned you in the past. It's an incredible feeling. So things like that. Also just even like waking up on a Sunday and not feeling hungover, like sounds silly, But as a young person living in the city, even in college, I would have days where I would do this and just feel so proud of myself for restraining myself, for not having a wild night, you know, when I knew I had things to do, like just just honoring myself, okay, making myself proud. And this can come in a different million different ways. Like if you're at work and you said something stupid or you said, you know, sent an email to the wrong person, maybe just doing one thing at work that makes you feel proud pitching something that went amazingly and honoring yourself in that way, knowing that, you know, giving yourself a nice deserved pat on the back will make you feel better about this and make you kind of pave over past mistakes like they weren't even there. So those are my two cents on that. I also think that there's a quote that we should all keep in mind, and it's from Rita Mae Brown, who's a feminist writer. She said, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. So sometimes, I mean, it's inevitable that you're going to go through moments of bad judgment. You're going to make mistakes and do cringy AF things that you wish so desperately you could take back. And you can't. You, you can't do things over again, unfortunately. We only get one go at this, as far as I'm, <laughs> I'm aware. And so all you can do is just do it better next time, okay? It's, that's really all you can do. So make sure that you're not committing the same mistakes over and over again because that is the definition of insanity. Um, That's another quote from someone else that I forget. But, you know, just do things right the next time, okay? And stop beating yourself up. It's not productive. Okay, last question we're going to answer. Dear Katie, I have a boyfriend who I love dearly and have been with for two years. Lately, however, I've noticed that the problems we've had since the beginning continue to persist. His skepticism slash cynicism makes me feel unsupported, and though I have voiced this to him many times, I feel it never improves. 
Am I being unrealistic with wanting him to react to my decisions in a certain way with support and enthusiasm? Or am I lowering my standards because I love him and because I don't want to not have him in my life? I'm curious to hear your take on the pod. Okay. Dear Dealing with a Skeptic, this reminds me of season six of Sex in the City, specifically Berger and Carrie's relationship. And if you don't watch, I will sum it up very quickly. Basically, Carrie Bradshaw, main character of Sex in the City, and this guy, Jack Berger, they're both writers. They meet through Carrie's publisher and they instantly hit it off. He had a girlfriend at the time. So basically a few episodes and uh, you know a bunch of stuff later, they eventually start dating, okay? So they're dating, things are grand and all, but things start getting rocky in their relationship once Berger's jealousy over Carrie's flourishing, improving career just builds and builds and bursts. It's like he cannot get over the fact that she is successful and he is not doing so great. He hits a breaking point where he just can't be happy for her. Her, you know, books were doing amazing. His books weren't doing so well and he can't handle her success. He also can't handle it when she gives him this like super minor critique on his latest book. So basically all this professional kind of drama and they break up. Then they try things again briefly, but he breaks up with her again, literally before she wakes up one morning with a post-it note that said, I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. So in a nutshell, Berger cannot get over his pride and his jealousy and his own failures in work and he's comparing himself and he takes it out on Carrie, his girlfriend, whose career is taking off. Berger showed his true colors, okay, with his pessimism. Throughout their relationship, he was constantly just like a downer. He could never match Carrie's energy and he just never would. No matter how many conversations they had about it, no matter how many times Carrie talked to her friends about it, like this was never going to improve. And Something interesting, we don't know anything about Berger's past before meeting Carrie. We don't know about his youth. We know about his ex-girlfriend, which he had an interesting relationship with, but that's kind of besides the point. His past, like we don't know about his youth, but one can imagine though and kind of assume that the way he was raised, the way he was, he came to be, plays a role in all of this. He probably had some past rejections when he was younger, when he was impressionable. He probably had some ways where he kind of fell short and he couldn't quite come to terms with failure, things like that. But of course, we, we don't see that. All we see is him in adulthood. But the way he treated Carrie, though she is also problematic at points in the series, it just wasn't right. It wasn't right how he took his own doubts and fear of failure and threw it onto the person that he loved. And they had a few deep talks about it. And though he seemed to show some promise through it all, like at points I was like not sure if they were going to break up again or stay together for at least another season – but ultimately, he, he just didn't improve. His character did not improve. And, the, you know, hence the breakup post-it. Personally, I don't think that it should be any of our jobs to change a person. If they're aware that something they do is bothering us, you know, because we've told them, we shouldn't have to lose sleep at night when they're consistently acting in that same way and this way that robs us of our peace. If it costs you your peace and it puts your career in a weird spot and makes you lose confidence in yourself and in what you're doing and in what is important to you, if it costs you your peace, it is too expensive, okay? I've heard this quote a million times and it is so, so valid anything. And it can be something that does give you a lot of love sometimes, but if it ultimately is making you feel insecure or a lack of confidence in any way, like the person you're with should build you up, should make you feel inspired. Okay. Not the opposite. Obviously people have days where they find it hard to be happy for other people and they can't offer solid advice and that's totally fine. But if it's something that is persisting, this has been two years, I think I don't know. I don't think it's at all unrealistic for you to expect support and enthusiasm from the person who is supposed to love you, okay? I think in this situation, I, I just don't feel like this is very, if it's not going to change, if it hasn't changed in two years, I don't see it changing in the future, okay? I don't see it changing. Love is not conditional. You know, I, I don't say things like, I only love you if things are going well in my life. I only love you if you're underperforming me. I only love you if... No, that is not how it goes. Love is not conditional, okay? At least I don't think so. Conditional in a way where it's like, 
you know, someone just, you, you can't tolerate the fact that someone that you love maybe is doing better than you or is feeling more driven than you in this very moment. Like you shouldn't, it's not a competition like that and it shouldn't be ever treated like that, I don't think. So those are my two cents on the matter <laughs> as I've given this whole podcast. But I just think that it's not unreasonable to expect support from your significant other. And it doesn't sound like you're getting it at all. So anyway, wow, guys, I just gave some good advice, I hope. I really do hope because this is how I would personally handle these things. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear your opinions via DM. So certainly shoot me a DM. I wish you could comment on podcasts. That is one thing that I do wish we had on here. But anyway, um, that is another Dear Katie episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, We will resume with historical content at a later date, but I just wanted to throw this in here. I think as the seasons are changing, as we are going through seasons of personal change as well, I think we need to just touch base every once in a while and get through the hard stuff together because we can do hard things, okay? We all can. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.